0: Welcome back to What Keeps the Fires Burning, a podcast dedicated to the memories, experience, and lessons learned at Camp Bagman. I'm one of your hosts, Nelson Mendels, and I'm here with my co-host, Adam Everhard. What's up? What's up? We're,
1: we're back. We're back. Lovely back to be again. back.
0: Yep. We just got some exciting news in our email the other day. We're officially staff members now. We got the we job. Got, yes. we, got,
1: we got to sign our contract. We got to sign our contract. But, uh, I, I'll probably do it as soon as we end this intro. Wow.
0: Maybe two, I guess. Yeah. Um. We can do it. We can do it together. Surprise. So it's what's it called? June 9th, I think, is the day that we're going to be at camp. We are not yeah. that far for staff training. Um. It's,
1: it's easy peasy. It's light, it. it's light light work. It's light work.
0: Yeah. Um. But it's very close. What are you most excited about, Adam?
1: Freaking being there. Before. I just, I just, I, I need to. It's like. I think there's some some something in the air at camp. It gets you hooked on it. Like I'm it's addicted like, to camp.
0: You know, it's like uh, you can't you can never forget it. There's something there's something in like the water. It's something in yeah. You just turn on. You're like that's the egg taste. It gets you addicted yeah. to camp.
1: It's can't sulfur, be away. From guys. that's the like, secret yeah. to
0: the camp magic. Sulfur. Yeah. Yep. It's in the pipe. Yeah.
1: There's something in the lake. Lake Nebagman water. Specifically, the Camp Nouagam water, where you cannot it's stay not,
0: away. It's not the world from all the fishing. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> that. It's yeah, but it's it'll be a different perspective to camp. But we're excited to be a part of it, be a part yeah. of that we, the crazy yeah. experiment that is Camp Nouagam.
1: We're we're ready. We can take on the challenge. Definitely.
0: And you know we got what's it called. Oh yeah, so we got our episode. We're bringing. Oh yeah, on... I yeah. forgot this.
1: this is that's what this is about.
0: Uh... We're bringing on Hank Pulitzer, the legend himself the one, from Camp the of Agnes. One and only. Yeah. One and only. A lot of people at camp know who Hank is. He is most recently the waterfront director, but he was a push, big chef around camp. Does a lot of cooking.
1: Mm-hmm. An
0: all-around great guy. Lives in New Orleans, and we're really excited to have him on. Adam, you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a great episode coming up. Stay, you know, stay on. Keep listening. I can uh, use it. Yeah, you're not gonna want to miss it. This is a good one. Um, a good one. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good food being described. I love it. There's food. like a yeah. There's like a five minute stretch where my mouth was watering, just on, <laughs> based on you, hear you description, can't it, but food. you could imagine it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's. You know, it's a it's a tasty episode, one could say.
0: Well, shout out to Hank. We love you, Hank. And here's the episode.
1: We're here. And we got a very special guest. Here we go. Hank, do you want to say hi?
2: Oh, hello, camp family.
0: What's up, Hank? How you doing?
2: Great, guys. How are you? Good to see y'all. Good to see you too. Uh
1: Anything you've been doing in the offseason? Anything fun?
2: Well, I moved back to New Orleans. I've uh, been settling back in here and getting to hang out with my family and Getting used to life uh, as we get back to some sort of normalcy. That's been nice. My puppy dog, Basil's growing up and uh, starting to mellow out a little bit. Thank God. Um, other than that, uh, no, not a ton.
0: I'm a big fan of Basil the dog. Very well known around the acres of Camp mm-hmm. Um I, I'd like to give a shout out to Hank quickly because we did meet up in Atlanta uh, back in fall grab some lovely dinner with him uh and shout out to chase herbert as well um so hank uh you're a very well-known guy around camp but you want to give us a little bit of an introduction to your story on how you found an uh
2: i'm second generation at camp uh my father arthur um found camp through his father who uh owned a necktie business um which was one of the largest necktie companies in the world. And um, my grandfather was one of the lead salesmen. And so he would be traveling uh, through the Midwest and the East Coast. And uh, some of the people he did business with sent their kids to Camp Bagamin. And he said, OK, well, I'll send my son. So that was back in the day when people took the train to camp. So my dad would took the train pretty much all the way from New Orleans up to camp. So
1: Yeah, so, that's uh, awesome. Uh, we have heard a, a bit about the train and it,
2: it, it I don't know, it's very intriguing.
1: Uh, yeah, did he I, talk I about that as, at all? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, he said that um, him and his father would usually take the train uh, up to Chicago together um, and they would uh, get like a, you know, like a private, uh, I guess, I don't know, a sleeper car, they called them back then or something like that, um, And uh, up to Chicago. And then they would do the whole like first class up to Chicago on the train. And then they would switch in Chicago and like spend a night two there before uh, my grandfather put him on the train with everybody else to camp. So he said it was a blast and he thought it was really, you know, he doesn't understand why people don't do that anymore. I was like, well, cause it's probably not convenient, but you know. Sounds like fun. I think I would love that to just be hanging out with camp people for like a day or two on the train. Yeah, maybe that's
1: the that's the next new big trip. That is just train train across the country.
2: Well, I mean, the Bagman at one point had like some some. I, I know I don't know how long they did it, but they did have like a a like a big trip where you actually just traveled. I think by like a bus or something.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. yeah. There there yeah. There are pictures of that in the Waddington.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, because back then camp was so rugged and <laughs> tough to get. So rugged, traveling like that. Right. Um. Right. So do you do you remember your uh, picture? As Kaplan uh, makes this joke every year, um, the whole like imagine Hank as a swamper. Um. Huh. Do you remember your first summer? Do you, and well, what was the reaction like? And then going through camp.
2: So my. Sister Darcy, uh, who's my youngest sister, was at a different camp uh, in Maine called uh, Hidden Valley, and they took second graders. So I actually went there as a second grader before I started at camp as a third grader. Um, And so, like, I was kind of already used to the whole camp thing, I guess. Um, But I did go with, like, one of my best friends from home, and we were four-weekers in Swamp and I remember there was no direct flights to Minneapolis back then. So we like stopped in Memphis and met up with all of the Memphis people. Um, so we were on this plane probably with, I don't know, back then 2020 camp people to, from Memphis to Minneapolis. So that was a lot of fun already. And then, um, I remember, you know, getting, getting to camp and, uh, like immediately the first day of camp, uh, my buddy Walter and I were playing tetherball, uh, which used to be on the side of the hill between the tennis courts and the Swamper Village. And uh, <laughs> we hear this scream and like this is literally our first day at camp. We're third graders and we look down at the tennis courts and some some like sixth grader or seventh grader has Broken his leg with a compound fracture, and we just see this bone sticking out of his leg, and we were terrified. And that was my first day at camp. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. that's an introduction. That's, you know, uh, that's camp right there. Yeah, you go yeah, for the exactly. tetherball, stay for the broken leg.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the, I mean, like, it was, I think it was uh, the one of the few times I've actually seen an ambulance come to camp. Yeah, they brought yeah. they brought the ambulance all the way down to the tennis courts and put him in there and loaded him up.
1: Yeah, that's that's not a not a great way to start your summer.
2: Breaking yeah. your leg or it was, it or was a more popular it was a more popular viewed event than like, you know, uh eight foot basketball Paul Bunyan day. <laughs> and the, the whole camp was there just watching. Did he come back? Uh yeah, he was a really good tennis player and, and recovered and kept playing tennis.
0: There we go. Yeah. And then okay and then after your first year,
2: where where did he go from there? Um, Let's see. Swamper five. um, I was still a four weeker. I wanted to stay eight, but it was like, by the time I had figured that out, it was like maybe week three or something. Um, And then uh, I think my sister sent me to camp with like a cassette player and um, some like nineties West coast rap. And my counselors were like, I don't think you should be listening to that as a fourth grader. Um and uh let's see. We had um Bryce Rosenbluth uh Rosenblum, sorry, um, which is Trent's Trent's younger brother uh as our counselor. He was our SC that year. So yeah,
1: so Trent was he was he the doctor all year last summer?
2: Yeah, last summer yeah. he was with Camp Doc oh, all yeah. year for the to uh provide some consistency and mm-hmm. um, not have any people coming yeah. and going with the whole COVID lockdown.
0: Shout out shout out to Trent who um I broke my permanent retainer and he pulled it out.
2: <laughs> yeah, nice.
0: Shout out to Trent.
2: I'm sure out he, had with, he had a blast doing that, I'm
0: sure. Definitely. Oh yeah. And so uh
2: yeah.
1: Uh, any anyone who's been at camp knows that you've got a real, you know, true love of camp. When did that start? Did that start your first year, or did it did it take a couple of years of going to camp?
2: Um, <clears throat> I think I realized how important camp was to me uh, my seventh grade summer. Um, like, I mean, you know, it it was probably always there, but I, I, you know, at some point it it clicks and it turns on and you realize it, but. Yeah. Um. I don't think I necessarily realized it until probably my seventh grade summer, where I missed half of my summer because I went to summer school. Um, and I repeated seventh grade Spanish. Um. So that oh, was yeah. still, uh, I was pretty miserable not to be there for the first four weeks. Um. Uh. So like you know that that was a life lesson, but I think I also realized like how important being at camp was to me.
0: Hmm. So uh uh-huh. and, and then you were a camper and then you came back on staff right away
2: uh well yeah i mean unlike you guys we had the the skip year still uh-huh. so yeah we had, that, uh-huh. we had that year off um and so yeah I took a year off and then i came back i was uh i was a ninth grader 98 99 i would, took a year off uh and then in 2000, i was a jc in logger 4 with ben broder Hughes, Hughes, one of Hughes' sons his oldest son um and uh a guy named nate alberg uh who was a local uh baseball all-star uh for the ulu uh blue jays uh Got was on logger push And uh yeah, it was a good summer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, and then I did 10 in a row. I did uh, four years on cabin staff, three years as a waterfront director. I was the action push for a year and then the LJ push for two years.
1: Uh, what What year were you Were you a push? Uh,
2: 2007, okay. I was the action push and then eight and nine, I was the LJ push. Wow. Yep.
1: And then... Yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to put this, you went to push after uh, the cabin staff?
2: No, I did three years at the at the waterfront, oh, okay. so I, I did, um, that's uh, four, 2004, five, and six. In 2004, I was waterfront directors with Todd Blatt, um, who I don't think you guys know, but um, no. he was he was there while I was growing up at camp, and then I got to be co-waterfront directors with him, which was awesome um learned a lot from him and then uh i got to be waterfront directors for the next two years with tony coletta uh, a local lake Nabagaman legend um who uh he's a bit of a maniac it was a lot a lot of fun and it was very interesting but that's who you want to
0: run your waterfront uh
2: not necessarily but yeah (laughs) Uh, things things were a little different back then at camp um but yeah, he was he was good for the most part. Um, you know, Tony. Tony, uh, as crazy as he is, um, when when things aren't going the way they're supposed to down there, there's no one else I'd rather be working with down there. I mean, the guy's like a a robot. When things go sideways, he just is like a machine and just knows exactly what to do and how to do it. And he like this like few people have ever seen it. But, like, this crazy just calmness comes over him, and he just is in his element and goes to work. Um, and it was pretty impressive to see. Yeah, uh, I mean. Shout out, Tony. Even though the, the situation that uh, required that uh, level of concentration from him wasn't necessarily desired. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Now, um, for, for those who don't know, Hank definitely runs a pretty tight ship on uh, at the waterfront uh you got your rules and your regulations down there Hank what inspires you to run that waterfront
2: um well I got my instructor in swimming I pretty much spent my camper years at the waterfront in that in that lake between the docks um yeah I was a I was a kid that was at swimming two or three projects a day um and the only time I was not uh at swimming I was at mocha or athletics or uh getting a rank that I had to have for some trip or uh occasionally they would take me out on the sea scow as counterweight.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, That's so your your swimming your swimming skills are are quite famous at camp. Uh what who was it? Sebastian Klein says that uh that you can jump from the the diving board dock and swim all the way to shore with in one breath. Is that is that, that,
2: might be a, that might be a little bit uh, hyperbole there, but uh, I can get pretty far.
0: I've I've had the personal experience of being snuck up on by Hank uh, during a G swim or two or during pushball. It's uh it's a very inviting experience and it's a very uh, exciting inviting. experience. Well, yeah. It's not inviting, but it's exciting to see Hank in the water every so often. Like shout out, shout out to Hank for playing pushball with us on our last day of camp this summer.
2: Yeah, y'all tried
0: to kill me. You you did the same. Yeah, I'm old, right?
1: I mean that that, that Jacob Layton, Hank matchup, that was people. people the century. Want, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It people like, want to see it. Now now um Hank, uh remember do you also remember how this past summer we did we had the honor of playing cribbage with you? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Hank, you're a bit of a you're a bit of a Craftsman with the cards, if you would. You're very you're very well known for your cards, whether it be Euchre or Cribbage. Where where did that love for cards also come from the Bagman? Um
2: my family, we played cards nonstop. So I I learned lots of games uh before I probably even started at camp. Uh, I was playing cribbage with uh staff members as a third grader. Um Euchre I learned at camp uh from Jack Violet. Uh, in Axman Two, Jack Violet is uh, was a long time uh, counselor, and then Push. He was Axman Push. He was also trip staff for a while, um, and he was my what sixth grade counselor in Axman Two SC. And uh, he taught most of us how to play euchre that summer. It was great.
1: It's so a it's a great camp game. Um, Nathan Starhill, who was in our cabin, was in town yesterday, and. Uh, I, I just thought the, the people might want to hear this, but we had a, a little Nabagaman northstar euchre game because I'm friends with a few Northstar guys, and uh, Nabagaman pulled out the W, so it's, like, a, it's a good like day. We
0: like. yeah, that's, that's there good we go. What was the score?
1: It was 10-9. Came down oh, to the wire. Wow. Yeah.
0: Came in yeah. clutch. Oh, yeah. Big congrats. I actually saw Nathan a few weeks ago, and we played cribbage, and I got skunked by him. So beat me over thirty points, so that was a bit embarrassing, honestly. But
2: uh, I like how you just copped up to that right there, like that. That was pretty awesome. I mean, we we got yeah, we got textual evidence of
1: uh of when it happened. Nathan was very excited.
0: Oh yeah, he was. It was <laughs> it was very. Well, it was one of the saddest moments of my life, honestly. But Josh no,
2: so and I've uh been playing some cribbage over the last two summers uh, on the dollhouse porch. And uh, the first time he ever beat me, he also took some photograph evidence yeah. uh, and he, he proudly shows anyone and everyone that he can. Yeah. I mean, that's so a, big it is a big deal Shout out day. to Josh for beating me once in cribbage.
0: <laughs> 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 Hank, who's your go-to Euchre partner during the staff tournaments and who's your go-to cribbage uh, partner?
2: Man, um, well, Kaplan and I played Euchre for a long time together, um, for the, for the staff tournament. Um,
0: it's a dynamic duo. Mm
2: -hmm. Troy Brodsky and I, uh, played cribbage, uh, back in the day for the staff tournament pretty much every year. Um, he was, uh, he was he was my uh longtime cribbage buddy. And then uh he'll be back this summer actually. So those of you that don't know Troy will hopefully get to meet him. Um Not Troy. And um I don't know. Spencer Brown played we, we, we used to play we played some Euchre together for the tournaments too.
1: Um how how is kaplan a euchre is he is he any good
2: is, um, this is what yeah. people want to know yeah, hes he's pretty good he he knows he knows all the good strategy
0: What's mm-hmm. which his biggest weakness
2: <laughs> his biggest weakness oh he yeah. doesn't cheat
0: uh-huh so you it's a a camo to cheat to win
2: <laughs> well that was a joke um yeah. <laughs> uh he, uh, he's, he's very like, you know, I don't like Kaplan's whole thing is like, you don't have to offer a cut. Cause I don't cheat. Um, which you know, <laughs> the, the whole thing is, it's euchre, you, you offer a cut. That's the those, the rules, but the, mm-hmm. not with Adam, you do not offer a cut. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a strong partner. Like you, he, you, he, he's, You can anticipate what he's going to play, and he's good at anticipating what you're going to play. So it works. There's a good, you know, back and forth, and that that goes in cribbage as well. I've played doubles cribbage with him, and he's a good doubles cribbage partner for, for pegging, which is a a huge part of doubles cribbage. Mm -hmm. Um, So
0: pegging being the for the for the listeners pegging being the first half of the game, uh, part of the cribbage rules. Definitely learn cribbage if you haven't learned it already. Yeah,
1: I. This is something that I, I figured out just this last summer, that I'm definitely a fan, like, cribbage over Euchre any, any day. Really? I was,
0: yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's just more fun. Well, We were fortunate enough to play with a very good cribbage player in Phoebe Stern. Oh, yeah. On big. Yeah. The, I think we the, talked the Stern,
2: about her. The Sterns are well-versed in their cards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it was last episode we talked about she got a twenty-six point hand. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. It was out of the max being twenty-nine. Insanity. <laughs> well, right, Hank, um, you're also very, very well versed in the culinary arts at Camp Nabagman. As you said, you always like to attend Mocha. <laughs> but yeah. um but we'd love to hear a little bit about your experiences with cooking at camp. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't think you ever did. You ever fully work in the kitchen, or were you always kind of like that side man uh, to Anra?
2: Let's see. Uh, I've done some pre-camp cooking uh, as an official pre-camp cook as a job, uh, and I did the ninetieth reunion uh, with Ann. Ann and I ran the ninetieth reunion breakfasts and lunches. Um, but I've never spent a full summer in the kitchen. Um, I. I don't think I have what it takes they uh they're they're that's a relentless job, and they get all of the kudos and respect from me for being able to do that and produce uh such you know great food for the whole camp all summer so mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I think it's it's every day the grind never stops in the kitchen never does what I
2: see. <clears throat> um um so I don't know i I mean, I went to school for food service management. Um, so I've worked 15 years in front of the house of like restaurants and things like that, uh, catering companies. I had a food truck for a couple of years. Um, so foods, you know, definitely a big part of my life. Um, you grow up in new Orleans, um, and you're, you get very well cultured very quickly to lots of different types of cuisine and very good, good food as well. Um, So I guess I've always just kind of been interested in it. Um, And um, so Troy Brodsky, uh, who was the head of Canuck for a long time, and he's returning to that job this summer, uh, started uh, an SI at Canuck that very quickly outgrew itself called Meat Night. Um, And it was uh, essentially, imagine Canucker, but like the whole camp ended up going to it essentially by the third by the third time he did it, like literally the entire camp just would go to this. Cause it was like, you know, mocha on steroids uh, and just meat everywhere, <laughs> like, anywhere, everywhere you look. So, I mean, it got to the point where they were spending hundreds of dollars for this SI, which is like a camp that's a big investment. And uh, I mean, uh-huh. it pretty much just was the SI that night. Um, and it, it eventually just turned into what we, uh, I guess used to know as Taste of the Bagaman, since mm-hmm. Taste hasn't happened for a couple summers now. Um, and so I was there when that happened. Well, the the last official meet night we had, the um, Roger and Judy were still running camp uh, back then, and their son Chet was between jobs and ended up being our kitchen manager that summer. Chet is a professional chef um, mm-hmm. who uh, can cook some amazing food. And, um, him and Troy got together, decided we were going to do a whole pig. So oh my there God. Was, there oh, was a wow. pig, there was a whole pig and a spit and everything being cooked behind Kanak. Um, and, uh, we ended up serving raw pork to the whole camp and <laughs> yeah, roger roger lost it it was great it was a lot of fun uh there was it, i mean it was like something out of lord of the flies there was kids running around with the pig head at one point it was wild. oh my god um and uh you know that was just one of those nights at camp that you know like if you were there people would just like remember it forever mm-hmm. um And I, the next summer it turned into taste and, you know, that was, um, taste had a a very long run. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I guess I've, I've kind of been involved with tastes ever since that, since then, um, while I was at camp. And then I guess I came back after being away for a couple of years, uh, in 2016 and, um, and, and was voicing her opinion, uh, her concerns rather that, um, taste was kind of becoming a little wasteful. Um, because um, it, you know, it's, it's great that there is, uh, a lot of, a lot of people that want to showcase their dishes and, you know, um, right. cook and feed camp. Um, but the problem with that was that a lot of them have never cooked for 300 people before. Um, and so there, there needed to kind of be like a bit of an overhaul of how we did it. Uh, so Ann and I got together and kind of came up with a system to to do that um, and kind of streamline it a little bit. So there wasn't as much waste and there was a more focus on a certain amount of, you know, starter dishes, entrees and desserts um, mm-hmm. that people were cooking the appropriate amounts of those as opposed to 60 pounds of meatloaf and throwing away 40 pounds of meatloaf. Uh, sorry, Benji Ballant. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, I mean, you know, that, that was, uh, that was just one example. I mean, you know, there was, there's, and told me this one taste, she, she threw away like three, six inch hotel pans worth of macaroni and cheese. That oh my was, God. Like, uh, How is the mac and cheese not eaten though? I mean, just uh, think about. No comment. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I have no idea why it wasn't eaten. I I could speculate, but I don't think that would be fair. Fair
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a, it it was a big thing. Like, I mean, I mean, how how many like dishes were there? There had to be like at least like 25 or 30. Yeah. And that's a Um, lot. Or more?
2: Yeah. I think the last one we did was 29.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. But you
2: got one plate. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that was like, you know, start to finish. So that that it, uh, included desserts. Um, but yeah, twenty nine, I think, is what what our last our last one was. I, I'm sure I have a menu somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot, and I mean, it it so on top of that, the kitchen has to still be cooking three three meals a day, mm-hmm. while yeah. somehow making room in the walk-in in in the freezer in the ovens on the stove to try to get all of this other stuff together for taste right Mm -hmm. um so you know it was a huge huge undertaking and then all of that stuff that got cooked had to be stored up until taste as well Um, and then you know people the the staff had to find time to cook it all as well which means taking them out of projects or uh, from their time off or, uh, after hours. Um, you know, so essentially it was, um, it just, it was a lot, um, on top of a lot of other stuff that always seems to be happening that time of year. Uh, you know, so, Mm -hmm. um, for now it's on a little bit of a hiatus, it sounds like, and it got replaced with the, uh, with the all camp birthday that Lewis has done a great job with, um, you know, kind of still a special meal that night and a lot of, a lot of fun. Lot yeah. of fun. So last year's was a blast and, you know, and, and, and I, I think got together and did the, what the brisket tacos that night. I think, yeah, River those bone. were the, that was,
1: yeah, that was, that, that was the best meal I've ever had at camp
2: not even shout out shout out to our uh our new kitchen staff who made like some legit awesome salsas you know yeah uh how how did that
1: who came up with that that idea the brisket tacos
2: because i know Uh, um, you and ann so that's actually a recipe that i uh borrowed from a uh a food truck i worked on before i opened my own um so to get to get a little uh background and how food trucks operate. I went to work for like one of the best food trucks in new Orleans called taco loco. Um, and they do like a Nola Mex. and the, the head chef of that outfit, uh, worked for, uh, the Emerald Legacy uh, restaurant group for about 15 years or so. So she can cook. Um, and I borrowed that recipe along with some of the other stuff we had that night, um, from that food truck, essentially. Um, if I told you how that brisket was made, uh, you probably would have eat it, but uh, it's real good. It's yes, real good it thing. is.
1: And cooking yeah. it for that many people. I cannot, I cannot imagine.
2: Yeah.
0: Good time. Insane. Good time. Yeah. yeah so... Um, so you were in the food truck business for fifteen years. So you started. What kind of food did you make in your own food truck? Well, no, I was I was in
2: food and beverage for fifteen years. I oh, okay. I had a food truck for about two and a half. What did you make? Um, we primarily did sandwiches. Um, mm-hmm. and it was like um, uh, it was it was a lot of different varieties of cuisine. So that we did, we did uh. We did a Vietnamese banh mi. Um, and we called it the bayou banh mi. Um, so it was a lemongrass chicken. We had uh, fresh baked uh, banh mi from uh, a local Vietnamese baker here called Dong Phong, which is pretty famous down here. Um, New Orleans actually has the third largest uh, Vietnamese population per capita uh, in the States. Um, and a lot of our food uh, down here, kind of gets commingled with like a new Orleans kind of flair to it. Um, so our Vietnamese food is unique to most other places in the country or world for that matter. Um, but most of our sandwich r- sandwiches were on the, the fresh, uh, banh mi bread. Um, and, uh, so the Bayou banh mi was lemongrass chicken that we marinated and grilled. Um, Andrew, uh, who, was my uh partner in the the truck who was kind of the main chef um made a garlic chili from scratch and pickled jalapenos uh pickled carrots uh fresh cucumber spear cilantro um and then what the reason it was the bayou me is uh andrew made uh this um it's called boudin which is like a cajun sausage um it's made of uh like pork bits and uh it's a rice sausage essentially made made with pork bits um and instead of casing it um sometimes you don't put it in a sausage casing and you like restaurants will put it in a ball and bread it uh freeze it and then deep fry it, and you have a deep fried boudin ball well we were taking it and um a traditional banh mi uh has like a pork pate on it Um, we were taking the boudin and spreading that on one side of the bread as our pate essentially. Um, and so, uh, that was one of our best sellers. Uh, you could get a fried egg on that for a dollar more. It was a good deal. Yeah, Um, that's incredible value. We did, uh, did a cochon de lait, which, um, roughly translates to, uh, like roast pork, um. So it's like, uh, it was like a pork po' boy essentially. Um, but we did it with traditional down here. Uh, uh, cushion delay would have like a kind of like a traditional American, uh, slaw. We did our slaw, like a Asian style with, um, uh, chai squash, uh, red apple and red onion with a rice vinegar, uh, based uh, kind of base dressing. And then, um, you could get pickled jalapenos on that as well. Um, and then, uh, let's see what else we do. Did. We did a Korean style of that, uh, the same bread with the, uh, with the pork and then homemade, uh, pickles and a Korean barbecue sauce. Um, and then there was like a, a veggie version of the banh mi, um, uh, which was actually one of my favorite things we did. It was just very good and always like, you know, fresh and delicious. Um, we also had another vegetarian sandwich. We did a, uh, a grilled cheese sandwich, uh, on brioche with, uh, gruyere, uh, homemade red onion, uh, jam and, um, uh, roasted, um, portobello mushrooms. And that thing was insane. That was my dad's favorite sandwich on the truck. Um, and then we always had like some scoop and serves, which is like a jambalaya or gumbo. You know, if it was... Warmer times of year, Jambalaya, if it was cold, gumbo, and we sometimes would have a salad, um, and then our various friends in the restaurant industry that were uh, good at making desserts would usually hook us up with a dessert uh, once a week, either like some homemade cupcakes or like a good good uh, gelato or something.
0: Hank, yeah. have you ever seen the movie Chef?
2: Oh, yeah, I like that movie a lot, yeah. but, but not... Uh, not very realistic representation of what it, what it's like to own a food truck. It's (laughs) still a fun, fun, entertaining movie. You
0: don't, you don't got, you don't got like an eight-year-old kid helping you make some Cuban sandwiches. I mean, like,
2: (laughs) you know, there's obviously, you know, no, but there's also (laughs) like, there's no, there's no world where you just get to travel with your food truck from city to city and set up wherever you want. You know, the scene, (laughs) the scene in New Orleans, they just, pull up the truck on Frenchman street and start slinging their food. it's like, yeah, that wouldn't fly very well. Like those the, <laughs> the businesses on Frenchman street would be like, uh, see you later quickly. There's some big food truck, uh, turf wars in New Orleans. No, the food truck scene here is actually not, not that strong. Um, there isn't, um, first of all, New Orleans being New Orleans is, um, uh, <laughs> a little behind the times. Um, and also, um, you, you, know, like, like other cities similar to maybe Chicago, uh, you, you know, the money and politics run, run things and not, uh, common sense and smart business. Um, so there are these stands all over New Orleans in the in the French Quarter um in downtown called Lucky Dog Stands, which is essentially a hot dog stand. And they pretty much have like a monopoly on food vending. Um, and they're fighting hard not to let anyone else in, including food trucks. So uh New Orleans, A, it's hard to get a permit. B, they have like certain areas of the city they don't want food trucks operating to protect the restaurant industry here. Um So there's, you know, there's not a lot of people being like, oh, let me go, let me go try to fight that fight and open a food truck in New Orleans. Um, So it makes it hard, um, which is part of the reason we ended up eventually getting out of the business. Um, It was good. It was good for catering and things like that. But like, uh, you know, you can't survive on that. You need to have a lunch and a dinner place to set up and sling, sling your food and, you know, make money. And if you don't, if you don't have access to that on, you know, at least five nights a week, uh, it's not really worth it. Mm
0: -hmm. For those who are listening, you just, uh, who wants to start a food truck in new Orleans, you just got your rundown. Yeah. Just don't do that. You know what to do? Just listen to Hank guys.
1: Uh, um, what I remember a, a lot from the past two years is our, the, the LJ village, uh, bring it breakfast. Ah, uh, yeah. And Hank is, uh, Hank is kind of in charge of, of making the bring it breakfast. And they're always, they're always really good. Um, so how did that idea start? Was that, was that like a Stein uh, That was, that was Anko and Stein, uh, in, in
2: 2019, I think, mm-hmm. we, uh, put that together and, uh, they asked me to participate in one and I said, sure. And then I, I think I've done two more cents. So, uh, I remember.
0: Yeah, time. I remember the eggs in a hole or the eggs in a basket. Those were very oh, good.
2: Yeah. Did we do those last summer? I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. And then there's another one we did breakfast burritos, but we had like chorizo and stuff.
2: Right, right.
0: You know, one of the things I've noticed I haven't had in a while, and I don't, I don't know why camp hasn't brought it back in a few years. Um, the broths from Superior Meats.
2: I don't, when did you have? When did you have that as a camper?
0: I remember, like, I don't know, when I was like a logger accident we had like a barbecue on the waterfront. We had them one
2: time uh, for a cruiser day or something,
0: something like that. Yeah, and I'm like, we haven't had them in a while.
2: That's a, I think a push, a push thing, not a, not necessarily a camp thing. Fair
0: mm-hmm. enough. So fair enough.
2: Yeah, but, was that? I, I
0: don't remember. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um. Hank, out of all the stuff that you've done at camp, which have you enjoyed the most, like pushing, waterfront?
2: That's tough. Um, I'd, I'd probably say my three years as a push, um, but not – I mean, I did love being a push. I, I, I think that that job is great. Um, in that job, you get to work with staff and campers alike, and you get to create pretty close relationships with uh, both staff and campers, which is great. Um but I think I particularly liked my three years as a push because I started as a push in the Axman Village in 2007 and then moved with those seventh graders to the LJ Village and got them for their eighth and ninth grade year, which I just thought was special.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah that's big. Um and how is that transition going from uh i guess waterfront director to push then back to back to waterfront
2: was that right away um, well, I mean yes, yeah. so I mean there, there was six years between uh two thousand nine and me coming back to camp and um will somebody help her out please uh My dog is trying to get a bone from underneath uh a table right now that she cannot. <laughs> get there you go. Um, yeah. So, uh, there wasn't like, it wasn't like a really much of a transition. I I came back to camp and did a job. Um, and it was a job that I'm familiar with. So, you know, it was like getting back on a bike. You just kind of fell back into it. Now things, things have definitely changed um, since the last time I had been the waterfront director kind of the way we did things down there. And most of those changes were all for the better. And I was, I was, I was a big fan. Um, we never when I when I was there uh as the waterfront director in four, five and six and even uh even through seven, eight, and nine when I was a push, they weren't doing this um the whole grab your tag and say your number and your name and where you're going. And then when you come back grabbing your tag and going, you know, saying your name and number and going back to home base, that didn't exist. Um you, it was kind of like a just grab your tag and put it where you're going and it was an honor system that you know we trusted, you knew what you were doing and then on your way out same thing mm-hmm. um and I think that a, a bit of accountability and kind of um just um I guess I don't know what I, I don't know the right way to but mental training I'll call it um uh to kind of like you know it gets it in people's heads uh, a little bit better that you know oh, tags let's get these tags um mm-hmm. which has um been great because there's been a lot less um Kids forgetting to flip their tags, which leads to buddy searches that aren't uh, nece- necessary. Essentially,
0: yeah. Hashtag tags before towels.
2: There you go. Yep. Uh, yeah.
0: do, do you what, do you have a crazy story that you'd maybe like to share on the waterfront? No, that's happened. No. Well, no. no. no there's
2: no. There are no crazy stories that the whole camp family needs to hear. No.
0: All right. Yeah. I,
1: I, one thing I was just thinking about is how how are things like pbd and tgp at like at the waterfront because i think that might be the most stressful
2: job of all time there's it's a little bit more chaotic which um you know from a waterfront uh director standpoint is stressful um but you know usually we have a pretty good system in place and as long as staff is being vigilant um reminding reminding the campers to you know stay on top of it it goes pretty smooth um you know, it's it's usually the uh, the one, you know, one one camper slips through here or there, and somebody wasn't paying attention, and that's what that's what'll ding you up on on a day like that. But other than that, you know, we've been pretty good about it lately. So it's not that bad. bad. To hear.
0: And yeah. um, one of the things that you do every day, you know, when it's twenty minutes left in the project period, you got to get all the sailors to come back. You blow the air horn. Have you? Uh, how does that affect your hearing?
2: uh that's fine that's not a oh
0: really yeah no is it not that loud
2: uh it's loud but I, you know it's not like i'm blowing it in my ear he's a professional nelson i scream louder oh, than that air horn i don't know if
0: you ever- <laughs> sure you do scream louder than that
2: i got some pipes
0: yeah, yeah he's got the swimmer's lungs Sure, true he can hold his breath it, i mean the legends do say you can hold his breath from the diving board to the beach
2: that's about that's about right yeah um, <laughs> anything are else you, you want guys add excited, to add are you guys okay. excited to be back uh, as staff this summer oh
1: yeah i'm oh, yeah. really looking forward to it where do it where is. do you
2: each want to work project and village
1: um well i'm obviously this is kind of optimistic but uh i would like to work at water skiing
0: um you're you're putting you're putting you're putting um Briggs and Lewis and Fournier on the spot right now, Adam.
1: Saying, yeah, this is yeah, public.
0: I, in. You're putting it out in the public.
1: Yeah, it's the public has to hear. The public uh, has to
0: hear, and they're going to be disappointed if it's not true now.
1: But yeah, I, I've i just, yeah, I've been water skiing a lot of my life, and it's, I love it. So it'd be awesome to work there. uh And then I want to work in the Swamper
2: Village. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I have news for you. Usually, if you ask for the Swamper Village, you get it. So, congratulations, yeah. you're a yeah, counselor. Of- yeah, nine out of ten. <laughs> um,
0: for me, I'd, for Villagers, I, I really don't mind. I think I'd be fine anywhere. Um, I've done a lot of work recently, though, with older kids, specifically ninth graders. So, I think it'd be kind of cool to be able to continue that, just because I've experienced with working with them and not maybe not like exactly like camp, but doing stuff like that, kind of being in, like, a counselor or a mentor, mentor role with them. So I think I have a lot of experience with that. Uh, in terms of projects, um, I think I'm fine anywhere. Um, I'd be happy to be on the waterfront teaching, like, swimming or canoeing or something like that. Um, also doing, like, tennis or athletics. Kind of, like, I don't think I have anything that I'm, like, specifically geared towards. Uh, I'd be happy to do kind of those, like, fun ones where you can kind of work with the kids but kind of still be active. You know no, no, like no. not just like sitting around, so yeah, hope we'll see we'll see where we go with that, but uh Lewis, if you're Louis, all, all the admin at camp if you're listening, you heard me and Adam now uh it's on the record yeah, yeah.
2: you'll get a if, if you haven't already, you'll get a chance to fill out some forms that tell them where you want to work, so mm-hmm.
0: we just got the forms, I'm pretty sure actually, so right on. that'll be exciting. Hank, is there anything else you'd like to add for this episode?
2: No, I think we've covered a lot. Covered a lot. All
1: right, yeah, yeah. We had we had some good uh, some good conversations. Hey,
2: this has been fun, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming you on. coming on. You're no, a legend. It's been
0: fun. Good times. We we'll hope we hope to see you soon. Are what are, you, what are your plans for this summer,
2: Hank? Uh, as of right now, I'm not planning on being at camp this summer. Unfortunately, I will I will miss it. Um, but mm-hmm. Hard maybe yeah. uh, maybe if uh we are not in a bubble at Camp the in this summer, I'll get up for a visit, but um, not sure I think I'll be there for pre camp to help uh Andy Mack put the docks in, and then I will skedaddle. What
0: will you what will you be up to?
2: Um, I've got some traveling uh planned, and um, you know try not to sweat too much in hot New Orleans
0: mm-hmm. Always a well great uh.
2: Yeah, we'll miss you at camp, but uh, I hope you have a good summer. I hope you guys have a good first year there on staff. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Thank you,
1: Hank. Um, yeah. We're excited. I know we're excited.
2: Cool. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Talk to you later.
1: Thank yeah. you. Hank. See ya. Thanks for coming on. Bye, guys.